You're listening to Curious Conversations About Sex, and my name is Rog. This podcast is brought to you by Curious Creatures, who run a variety of sexuality and self-development workshops in Australia. Please bear in mind that not all conversations will be suitable for younger people. Also bear in mind that while we can discuss general concepts, what we say can't be taken as personal advice or guidance. You're the only person that is an expert on being you. If you've got questions you'd like us to answer, or you want to find out more about us, look us up at curiouscreatures.biz. B-I-Z. With me today is award-winning sex worker and workshop facilitator, Shawnee Love. Shawnee is originally from the UK, now travelling pretty much all over the world. Stay tuned at the end of the show for details about his workshop coming up in Melbourne, uh, literally this coming week. And so to today's question, which is... How is kinky sex, and role play in particular, a therapeutic or healing process? So how is kinky sex, and role play in particular, a therapeutic or healing process? Kinky we, Yeah, let's get to you first. Kinky sex, and role play in particular. Well, it's such a yeah. broad question, and I it love is. it. It is. Um, kinky sex, in general, is a way to consciously engage with parts of ourselves that we don't normally engage with Um, we're trying to bring consciousness to our sexual impulses our erotic impulses and if we're following those parts of ourselves that are normally hidden or suppressed um, this is normally enacted out by a kink by Mm. a kink or fetish so we're actually exploring part of ourselves or uncovering parts of ourselves that is not accessible to normal day to day consciousness often this Normally it's suppressed because, you know, we've hidden it away from ourselves or from culture. And, yeah, so it's like um, expanding ourselves, making ourselves bigger because we're reclaiming that part of ourselves that's been pushed down into the shadow. So generally speaking, it's a really healthy thing to do, to look at your kinks and fetishes and find a healthy, conscious way to to go there. So so you're um, not a subscriber then to the idea that if you lift the lid off those hidden taboos and things that everything goes to shit and sex spirals out of control and then you're a sex addict and everything's in ruin? Um, <laughs> it's a really good question. I don't really believe in sex addiction. Ah. Yeah. Ah, ah. Do you? I believe that... Um, Everything is potentially an addiction. So literally anything in your life or in one's life that sort of takes over and starts to take over to the point where it's at the expense of other things, for me, is potentially an addiction. Okay, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that level. If you're doing unhealthy things or self-destructive things in order to get sex, yeah. that can be unhealthy and that can be destructive and that could be destroyed as addictive personality traits. Yes. But I don't think sex addiction is a, is a real thing in the same as... So uh, drug dependency could be a real thing that's yeah. chemically dependency. I, I think of it, um, regular listeners to the show will recall the episode we did where we compared sex with football. And I very much think that um, if my interest was in just like 
the football, like if we wanted to go and have a kick at the footy and if I started to get a little bit like interested in it and I knew who was on the bench and exactly what's going on and, and I was starting to get to the stage where I'm having to go to every game and it's impacting on my life even, no one would call that an addiction. Everyone would just describe that as normal. But mm-hmm. if you insert sex instead of football, yeah, mm-hmm. because it's that little taboo. But um, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, in analytical psychology, um, fomented by Carl Jung, um, we talk about complexes, and you've heard of complexes in talking about psychology, and the complex is a, a personality sub-trait that sort of takes over, mm. and um, you can have that happen with sex and sexuality. Mm. But sex addiction per se is, is not something to be avoided, but unhealthy, unhealthy methods towards getting sex can be destructive. You know yeah. what? I love this conversation. I um, The thing... I really like that you resist the words sex addiction a little bit. And for me, I feel like as part of our slut-shaming world, anyone who's having more sex than you is accusable of being a sex addict. Like, they're obsessed with it. They're thinking about it all the time. And it's just, yeah, it's just another form of sex-shaming and sex negativity. Notwithstanding that there are some people out there, of course, with sex addiction um, for for which some, some management and interventions and assistance might be required. But, God... The other 99.9% of us are just fabulous sluts. Yeah, well, we're born with sexual orgasm, or bits, uh, organs, sorry, we're born with sexual organs, and we're born with libido, and we're born with desire and lust, as are all mammals and all animals, and and Mm. flowers, put the genitals in the air. Yes. And so this is like what drives life on. Yes. Um, I feel like I'd be violating God's gift if I didn't take advantage of those resources. Yeah. And nervous systems and everything else. Yeah. Um, great. So um, is there much more you wanted to say um, about um, yeah, how you think kinky sex and role play in particular is a potentially therapeutic or healing process? Yes, absolutely. Um, talking about exploring those parts of ourselves we've suppressed... Um, impulses that we push down into our uh, shadows and by reclaiming those shadows, exploring them and reclaiming them we could get to know ourselves better and that's essentially a fundamentally empowering act. We get to um, find a part of ourselves so it can be really healing and therapeutic if you're um, stuck in a pattern of giving your power away to someone unconsciously mm. and you explore a, a role play where you consciously give your power to somebody deliberately and deliberately yeah. consciously within a, within a framework within a boundary yeah. and, that's, and then you take it back at the end and that's really empowering to know where the boundary is mm. to know the, the container and the power of containers so it's very therapeutic to, to do that to give your power to someone and then to have it given back mm. so it's like a powerful ritual and then of course it's empowering to swap roles. Mm. If you're normally um, giving your power away unconsciously to someone to give you their power and so you can hold their power for a little while, that, is, that can be really life-changing because suddenly you've, you've got a new part of yourself to explore, a new thing. You know that other part. Yeah. 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 I, I love what you're saying about like when you deliberately or consciously say to follow the example you're giving of, of giving away your power. In a kink scene, you can take that further and further and deeper and deeper, and eventually you get to a point where you go, right, yeah, no, that's it. Uh, I actually want to have the experience of putting a stop to that and not doing it anymore and and doing it under a controlled way when I choose to or not. 
Yeah, you mm. can um, explore it until you don't need to explore it anymore. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah. 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 And then not have it sneak into the rest of your life subconsciously. Yeah. Got more governance and control and agency. Yeah, absolutely. If, if you're suppressing a part of yourself, it's going to sneak in yeah, and come uh, into your relationships. It's going to creep into the family home. And um, yeah. yeah, it plays it itself out in the way in the who, in things like who does the vacuuming and who does the washing up and stuff. So it comes in unconsciously. But if you make it really conscious in the bedroom and really empowered, that, that's powerful empowering for all involved and mm-hmm. have clear boundaries at the start and a good debrief at the end and, you, and mm-hmm. all involved get to really learn more about themselves oh. other aspects of role play involve um, there's, there's different ways to hand power over the, I just about consciously handing power over or another role play is when someone takes power away from you mm-hmm. so it takes away consent mm-hmm. um, as a powerful way yeah, to role play so um, in a bedroom setting I can take your consent away maybe that involves tying you up or holding you down yeah and um, it, it's it's good to model in an erotic conscious scene how what's something that's happening anyway in the outside world so in the outside world if you've got a boss there they are t- kind of tying you to the office chair yeah or tying you to the seat where you sit in and you're sort of bound there and it's not very consensual it's not very empowering to do that mm. so in a bedroom setting you can try it in a really empowering way um it allows you to feel emotions that you don't often get to feel like i guess two would be uh or people don't be the sense of um defiance oh yeah, some people don't get to ever feel defiance and go, mm. fuck you, mm. don't, I won't do what you tell me. And a lot of people will, will sing that song, but um, to actually feel it in a healthy, contained way can be really empowering, can, can bring your heart to life and bring your whole body to life, inflame your chakra system if you believe in these things. And so, yeah, so it's like, yeah, rah, fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then to have someone as a prisoner or to role play something that's more sexual than you normally... Um, give yourself permission to feel yeah. so I might role play that I'm a lion and yeah. and I don't have those in the role play scene I don't have those senses slowing me down mm. so the lion inside me is more after rah and it's more after attacking your body and feeling so I'm allowing myself to access lust which I normally suppress and hide away mm. so if I get into the lion and you get into the gazelle mm. I'm going to chase you around yeah. and eat you and have a lot of fun yeah. and in the container with strong communication and strong boundaries I can feel access I can access lust yeah. and that's, that can be really empowering mm. super do you want another example? super um, yeah um, so another one which is common in my day day to day job is um, people often in a lot of in trans, say it's transactional analysis, which is one branch of psychological healing, one branch of counselling, mm. people don't have their adjusted parents. Mm. Question: um, What's an adjusted parent? Good question. Thank um, you. So you've got the um, wounded, you've got the child inside you, yeah. and the wounded adult, and you've got the well-adjusted adult, mm. and who you're operating from at any point in time is mm. a bit unconscious mm. and um, if you're really grounded in self-aware and in, empowered you're the adjusted adult yeah but I, a lot of the time you're not I love how like the extent to which in your mind kink play and like psychology and self-development they're almost like fused it's almost like you can't talk about one without talking about the other and I love that uh-huh. That's cl- that's my style. I'm yeah. really into that. Yeah. I did study counselling for several years. I'm doing my masters in Jungian analysis at the moment, so uh, I am kind yeah. of obsessed with the psychology yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. 
Yeah. Um, alrighty. Well, I might have my little rave. Um, so, yeah, I feel very similar. I mean, it makes sense. Um, I have a similar background in terms of counselling and get the same the same worth out of this material. But, yeah, I, I think a couple of things. I think it allows, um, it allows one, it allows me to get to know and uh, exorcise my demons and mm-hmm. my taboos. Um, and yet, if I don't know them, if they're just sitting there as um, something in the back of my mind, um, they're kind of they're, they're scary like that when they're just there and when I don't know them. So I, I love the fact that in kink play and role play, uh, I can bring those things in and take um, take baby steps towards how to unfold them. So, what's a classic like? Like a classic might be being a, being a bit of a perv. Um, it's, it's a really difficult thing when that's just a part of my shadow in regular life, but through bringing it out in kink, and I remember it's, it's taken me years and years and years to get to the stage where I could pluck up, to the courage, pluck up the courage to ask someone if I could do like a bit of a pervy scene with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, progressing that further and further until it gets to a real depth. And I just feel like I'm so at peace with that pervy part Beautiful. of myself now. I've got so much more knowledge about mm-hmm. when to bring it out and when not to bring it out. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. And how does it look consensually? It's all involved or informed. Oh my God! And the freedom yeah. and the joy, the like the simplicity of doing it when you know you've got clear consent to yeah. do it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. empowering for all involved. Yes. Yes. Um. And also, um, I, I get to thinking a little about what I think is narrative therapy. Um. So you were talking before about what it's like to play out particular scenes, and I know you gave the example of what it's like being shackled to your desk and how you can play that out more. I also think about how, for a lot of people, um, rape fantasy is mm-hmm. a quite a common part of a lot of people's kink mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons... Uh, I know it looks really, really weird from the outside, but... Um, uh, one of the reasons that people like doing that is, say you've had an experience in your life which is where there has been sex without your consent and you have, haven't had any say in it. One of the things that people have found empowering about playing with rape role play is that they can govern exactly to what extent and how it happens and they can even give it a different ending and take it off in a different different version of events which is a lot like narrative therapy mm-hmm. like you tell your story you get it out and then you then you reshape it into something different and I yeah I've, um, a lot of people speak to the empowerment and liberation that comes from that and, a, and it's a very embodied practical form of therapy which obviously you wouldn't recommend to anyone but if someone's drawn towards that particular thing yeah it can be very liberating yeah, absolutely agree. And there's a lot of different therapies that um, overlap this way of working, like constellate, family constellations. Right, yes. And gestalt therapy, which involves a bit of role play. Yes. And, um, yeah, we tend to avoid the word rape in a lot of our sessions, and we try to create much more user-friendly consensual non-consent yes. as an umbrella term, because even that word can push people's buttons and trigger mm. people mm. but yeah consensual non-consent can be physically overpowering people or psychologically manipulating people yeah um, within the context of a scene I hear what you're saying also um, I'm a fan of leaving that particular word reserved for some very particular specific things and mm-hmm. I feel like um, if I or we overuse it for other things that sort of waters it down a little bit and it's such an important word so mm-hmm. I really hear what you're saying mm-hmm, thanks mm-hmm. for naming that yeah um um, yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> On that point, yeah, you, people can change the ending. People can say, 
people's bodies freeze up when they've had their consent taken away. There's yes. a flight, fright, flight, fright, run thing going on inside people's bodies. And if they freeze up when they get into bed with somebody every time, oh no, I'm getting sexual again, and the body freezes up. So they can't really sleep with people until they've mm. journeyed through and thawed that bit out. Mm. And by doing consensual, non-consent in a therapeutic, holistic way, um, yeah, you can really thaw that part of the body out, and yeah. it's really empowering. But the, the person receiving really has to be in control of that journey, so it's yes. handy, hand, making sure they're holding the power. And, yeah. and it reminds me, by the way... Uh, I guess if someone walked into the middle of this conversation, we're talking about some pretty deep and intense yeah. sort of stuff. I'm reminded, like listening to you speak, just the act of, say, like putting your hand on the table for someone else to touch, just touching the back of your hand, like fairly accessible, fairly non-intense, but just the act of stopping that when it's right for you to stop it and then allowing it to continue again, mm-hmm. just that level of empowerment. And, you know, if that progresses into a whole weird, interesting, yeah. delicious, kinky scene, then so be it. But just that really, really basic level of governance and control over our own body. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a powerful act of reclaiming reclaim your own body. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the last thing I'd say on that question for me is um, I think you cannot really do kink... Um, sort of a, just running along on autopilot. You've got to get knowledge. You've got to get much more uh, powerful with your communication skills and you wind up getting much more knowledge about your, your body and your sexuality. And that is a, is a, is a empowerment and liberation process in itself. I, I know I've seen some um, assessments of people that identify as kinky and how their mental health indicators exist compared to mainstream people mm-hmm. and kinky folks are coming up stronger on a lot of those mental health yeah it doesn't surprise me mm. Mm. yeah yeah I just want to go back to one of the questions you asked me before I didn't quite answer it please go um, is that okay you can edit in later um, talking about the adjusted adult and some people inside them have the wounded child they didn't get their parental needs needs met yeah so when you access that child within yourself yeah. You can see that kinky person, that kinky adult who can hold space for you and someone else can be the father or the mother that you didn't have or that you need in that very moment. So the father in a, in a lover partner in the time can hold that space for you mm-hmm. and you can regress that little boy or that little girl or that little infant inside you that mm-hmm. needs to be held and loved. And that overlaps kinky play quite a lot. And that's a really beautiful way to nourish the inner child. Mm. So can you splice that into the early bits of her? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, well said. Well, is there anything else you wanted to say in response to the question of how is kinky sex and role play in particular a therapeutic or healing process? I think I've got all my bits out, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's all. I'd just like to say something about impact play, aka spanking or hitting. And um, yeah, a lot of people are not in their bodies. And just doing the right amount of impact play can really help someone become embodied, and that's quite healing and empowering in itself if you know mm. how to navigate your own body. So there's all kinds of reasons why mm. kinky sex can be healing or empowering or mm. bringing you back to presence and making you more self-aware. It's funny how we say, like, spanking. It's funny how it's portrayed as a violent act where the top is taking away from the bottom. And people often look at it and just go, Why? Why would you want that? Mm. But it's funny how when you experience spanking done reasonably well, people often say, oh, wow, it was just like being held 
or being loved or being trust or something. Yeah, big time, big yeah. time. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. All right, wonderful. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you. I would love to hear a little more about yourself. I wonder if you could tell me a little about what generally you like to offer and who your perfect client is and where they can find you. Okay, thank you. Um, as I said, I started about seven years ago and started doing workshops. During my first workshop, got my first private booking. Um, back then, I was advertising as doing quite deep, powerful, violent initiation type, type BDSM. But I found people wanted more... After the BDSM, they wanted, also wanted softness. So I started putting more softness on my website. Mm-hmm. So now, if you look at my website, shawneylove.com, you'll find the full gamut of ex- extreme BDSM to really soft, nurturing... Um, play so it's quite broad when you ask me what's my ideal client it's quite broad mm-hmm. I like people who want I, my ideal client is someone who goes there's something in my erotic shadow I need to explore and I want a safe powerful place to explore it so it's a person who wants to feel held as they explore some part of their kink or some part of their fantasy or some part of eros that they haven't had a chance to explore yet. And I guess that's yeah. my, my perfect client. Beautiful. And you're working from London and sometimes Australia, yes? Um, I live in London, but I'm perpetually on tour. I'm in Australia three or four months a year, and I'm travelling around Europe for two or three months a year as well. And my next workshop is in this month December December 6th to the 10th and that's a Melbourne workshop folks yes yep. it's, it's outside Melbourne yep. and what's that on that is called Shadow Tantra Deep Dive and it's for people it's on all levels experience or not people who want to explore their erotic shadows mm-hmm. but in a safe and held and almost a spiritual way it's because it's got quite a lot of tantra into it mm-hmm. a lot of tantric element so yeah. yeah if you want to explore your kink and your shadow in a really safe and powerful way Sign up, shawneylove.com. 